I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Justice never has an expiration date. If we can't correct wrongful convictions, then people are saying, how can we trust the whole criminal justice system? Rodney Lincoln's case is not an anomaly. Decades of unchecked misconduct leads to decades of injustice, right? I'm Leah Rothman. This is The Real Killer. Episode 11, Something Stinks in Missouri. You know, they say justice is supposed to be equal to all. I've never talked to anyone that believes that justice is equal to all. And some of these people that I talked to were judges. Now, if the judges don't believe in it, who does? Rodney Lincoln spent 36 years and 10 days in prison for crimes the vast majority of people believe he did not commit. I want to know why. Why in Missouri is it so hard to free the wrongfully convicted? And to be fair, it's not just a problem in Missouri. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, in 2020, there were 129 exonerations nationwide, with a total of 1,737 years lost behind bars. Again, we're only talking about those who were actually exonerated. 87 of those exonerations involved official misconduct, and 30 exonerations were convictions based, at least in part, on mistaken witness identifications. 
You know, the Missouri state motto is Salus Populi Suprema Lex Esto, which translates to let the good or safety of the people be the supreme law. Rodney's former attorney, Sean O'Brien, who has been in the thick of the fight to free the innocent for decades, may disagree Missouri's measuring up to its own motto for all of its people. First of all, what percentage of people in prison do you believe are innocent? The best estimate was a fellow by the name of Sam Gross, who is a criminal procedure professor at Michigan Law School. Um, Really good guy, really smart, scary smart kind of person. And his estimate, you could take it as high as 10 or 12 percent, but more likely it's probably closer to um, 2 to 3 percent. And so when you think about the fact that we have, you know, 2.1 million prisoners in custody at this moment, that's pretty high. That's just people who have already been convicted. I think that number would be much higher among pretrial detainees. In death penalty cases, I can tell you that for um, every nine people we execute, we release one innocent person from death row. And the question is, yeah, it is staggering. Yeah. There's an organization called the Death Penalty Information Center. They did a study of death penalty. Where are you most likely to get executed in the U.S. if you're convicted of murder? And, uh, of course, a lot of counties in Texas are very uh, high on the list. St. Louis City is number nine. St. Louis County is number 10. And if you eliminate Texas... St. Louis City and St. Louis County are number two and three in the U.S. at actually killing people. St. Louis is a perfect storm. You have zealous prosecutors, assembly line courts, and weak public defenders. Um, In that office, their caseloads are awful, and they've been cutting corners for so long that nobody's actually practicing law in the defense of cases. I mean, a successful result in a case is more of a fluke or an accident than the product of how the system should work. And in that environment, it's a perfect place for detectives like Joe Burgoon to function because nobody is going to really look at the integrity of his work product and question it. It just doesn't happen. If an innocent person's on death row, it's obviously a serious fight against the clock to free them. But at the very least, they have a statutory right to an attorney up until the moment they're executed. For those not on death row, they're kind of on their own. For, you know, the common person sentenced to lengthy time in jail for something he didn't do, We don't have lawyers digging, except, you know, for the handful of exoneration projects around the U.S. That's really the issue, uh, is the resources to prove their innocence are scarce. So it's not unusual for an innocence project to have a backlog of six or seven hundred cases of people just asking, please look at my case. 
And if someone is actually lucky enough to get an innocence project or pro bono attorney to take on their case, well, that's just the first step in a very arduous process. Why do these cases take so long? Well, because the standard is so high and there are so many barriers to release, you know, the system operates under a very heavy presumption that everybody in prison is guilty. And it is very difficult to overturn that presumption of finality. And, and I don't want to get into a you know, complicated lecture about post-conviction procedure, but every case goes through about nine possibly available uh, stages of review. And it works like shoots and ladders. You can get to a certain stage and they say, well, go back to this stage and try again. I mean, mostly that bouncing around is over procedural technicalities. Are you a Douglas Adams fan? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I have not read it, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, well, and one of my favorite chapters is uh, titled Somebody Else's Problem. So they're flying along in their rocket ship in outer space and they go through uh, what the author calls a somebody else's problem field, where the captain is about to crash the ship into a planet. And he says, it's not my problem, I'm not the navigator. And the navigator says, it's not my problem, I'm not the engineer. And the engineer says, it's not my problem, I'm not. It's always somebody else's responsibility to fix. And I see the criminal justice system after having read that book, I thought that's a perfect analogy for post-conviction litigation. You know, the judge in post-conviction says, well, the jury pronounced him guilty, and if they're wrong, the appellate court's going to um, overturn it. Uh, and if the appellate court's wrong, then the post-conviction court can take another look at it. And the post-conviction court says, why should I look at it? It's already been looked at by all these other people. Like, you get to the point of ridiculousness um, that nobody has responsibility because it's spread out over so many places. There are so many things about Rodney's case that should make everybody who ever touched it very uncomfortable, if not ashamed, at the role that they played in obtaining and reviewing this conviction. When we talk about how much time, the crime in this case happened before I was born. So the entire time I represented Rodney, he had been incarcerated for longer than I had been alive. That's Trisha Rojo Bushnell again. She's Rodney's attorney and the executive director at the Midwest Innocence Project. Everything I ever did in my life, until I was 36, Rodney was incarcerated during it. My whole life, it should not take that long. Mm -mm. And my whole life means his kid's whole life his grandkids. How much do you miss in that time? And it's impossible to explain. So it takes forever to even prove in the courts that these people are innocent. Then innocence is not enough. I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it is, that is the way the system is designed, right? And although everyone in Rodney's case is white, the system is disproportionately designed and stacked against people of color. You know, I think a lot about this in the state of Missouri. One is we are a southern state that doesn't want to admit that we are a southern state, right? So we were a slave state that did not fight for the Confederacy, so we have, and we are identified as the Midwest, right? Folks think about 
the injustice and the racism and the problems in places like the South. When we have all of those same problems and racist problems and practices are still existing today and the consequences that are existing today. I mean, in our office, we say that systemic racism is the leading cause of wrongful convictions. It infects every part of it, right? The reason we don't fund public defenders is also because the vast majority of people who need public defenders are black and brown folks who come from a disadvantaged socioeconomic status. And so it infects every part of it. And it's, it's, it's like we need to change who's in power, that, that give people who are affected real power. I mean, what would the criminal legal system look like if the people impacted by the criminal legal system designed it, right? And also we need people to care about other human beings. That's what I think is so insane when we walk in in the court and they say, oh, innocence not enough unless you're sentenced to death. Like, how do you go home? How do you write those words down? And then be like, you know, I feel good about today. And when a decision like that, innocence isn't enough unless you're sentenced to death, is handed down, it has some lasting, life-altering effects for so many. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we lost Rodney's case, not only did we lose it for Rodney, we lost it for every other innocent person coming next. Right now, that's still the standard. Innocence is not enough unless you are sentenced to death. And one of those people directly affected by that loss is 48-year-old Lamar Johnson, also from St. Louis. So, you know, in Missouri, most folks know Lamar Johnson because it is another devastating loss, also just like Rodney Lincoln, right? It's another one of those cases that seems to defy logic. In 1994, during a botched robbery, 25-year-old Marcus Boyd is shot and killed. An eyewitness, Greg Elking, who was sitting next to Marcus Boyd at the time, tells St. Louis Metro PD he can't identify the two shooters because it was nighttime and the men were wearing masks. Although Lamar Johnson has an alibi for the time of the murder, Greg Elking eventually IDs him as one of the two perpetrators. Lamar Johnson is convicted and sentenced to life without parole. Then, in 1996 and 2002, the two masked men confess to the murder and say Lamar Johnson was never there. In 2003, Greg Elking, the witness, recants to his pastor. And in 2008, about 14 years after Lamar Johnson was convicted, the Midwest Innocence Project takes his case. By the way, for years before MIP came on board, Lamar Johnson was acting as his own advocate, gathering evidence which could help prove his innocence. He tried and lost several appeals, even with the sworn affidavits of the two confessed killers. Then, in 2018, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner and her Conviction Integrity Unit start reviewing Lamar Johnson's case. And in time, what they find is shocking. They uncover more than $4,000 worth of payments paid out to the witness, Greg Elking, which was in exchange for him identifying Lamar Johnson as one of the killers. Here's Trisha again. We had asked for records of those payments 10 different times, and we were told no such payments exist. Kim Garner gets elected. We go and present this case to her. They go and they look in the file, and there's a blue folder says, did not disclose, and inside is record of all the payments and all of our requests asking for proof of the payments. They also find proof that police invented witness statements, 
fabricated a false confession from Lamar Johnson, and prosecutors hid all of this and more from defense attorneys. So, you know, at that time, Kim Gardner says, he's innocent, we need to let him out. And so she filed a motion for a new trial, and the statute in Missouri says a defendant has 15 days after this, you know, his conviction is final to file a motion for a new trial. And it doesn't make clear what the timeline is for prosecutors. So we were gonna say, prosecutor can do it anytime. She has an ethical duty, right, as a minister of justice. So she filed it, and it filed it in the St. Louis um, Circuit Court. The judge appointed the AG to appear for reasons I cannot explain. The AG said, you have no power to do that. We were denied. It went up to the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals said, we don't really know. And we think the Missouri Supreme Court should should hear this. They, they transferred it to the Missouri Supreme Court for them to decide that no, a prosecutor cannot do that. So to sum it up, the witness recants, the killers confess, there's proof of police and prosecutorial misconduct. And when Kim Gardner takes all of this to the courts requesting a new trial, the judge appoints Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt to take over the case, who then fights her authority, saying she should have none, and he wins. Imagine you take this job and you're told that you don't have the, the right to correct wrongful convictions. Again, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. I think that Lamar Johnson represents a issue that I believe when a prosecutor, as in other jurisdictions, they have told me, when they are made aware that something was not right, everyone, including the courts, tries to find a way to correct what a prosecutor discovers may be a wrongful uh, conviction. And I believe that in this case, it was very strange that a judge automatically called in the attorney general, who I represent the state. And when the attorney general, um, we appealed, it was not about Lamar Johnson. It was not about whether he was innocent or guilty. It was more about me as the elected prosecutor not having the ability to correct wrongful convictions. And the Missouri Supreme Court ruled in the attorney general's favor, but it was more disturbing that we are ministers of justice. And regardless of whether we secure a conviction or not, justice does not stop after that conviction. Do you feel like the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, was it personal? Do you think because you're reform based, because you're a woman? Well, I think it was, you know, personal to to the circuit attorney because I am the first African-American female reform and a prosecutor to ever lead this office. So I believe that because our philosophies and somehow are different, but our philosophy should be sent the same in terms of justice. Justice is not a, a Republican idea or a Democratic idea or a progressive idea or a conservative idea. Justice is what, what it is, justice. And we seek justice. And I believe that the attorney general made it more about attacking me, the elected prosecutor. And he's never denied that Lamar Johnson is 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 innocent. It was just about me and do I have the right to correct wrongful conviction. So, yeah, I think it's personal. Here's Sean O'Brien again. To say that Kim Gardner is meeting a lot of opposition from the attorney general's office would be the understatement of the century. 
it is uh, shameful uh, how much the attorney general has politicized the criminal justice process. And frankly, I, I think it's because of race. Not only is she a reform-minded prosecutor, but she is a black reform-minded prosecutor, the first black prosecutor that St. Louis City has ever seen in its history. And uh, the pushback is incredible. Presumably, Attorney General Eric Schmidt would deny this. I've reached out multiple times to ask him about it, but I haven't heard back. What Kim Gardner was trying to do should have worked. Um, Maybe it would have worked in other states, not Missouri. That's former MIP investigator Dan Grothaus. You met him in earlier episodes. He's worked tirelessly on both Rodney Lincoln and Lamar Johnson's cases. I mean, Lamar, I've known Lamar since 2008. I know everything about his case. The amount of evidence that I collected from the people that committed the crime. Very seldom do I get affidavits signed by the real shooters. And very seldom do I get affidavits signed by the witness that lied to the police, who tells me why they lied to the police. Seldom do I get affidavits from witnesses that looked at the police reports and said, I never told the cops that. I'll sign an affidavit that said that 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 police report is fraudulent, that I never said that. It's just, you know, nine yards of craziness. Lamar keeps me up at night. Son of a bitch. I I could talk like a sailor for five minutes talking about how mother fucking pissed I am that Lamar is still sitting in prison. Makes me puke. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure 
it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. According to Injustice Watch, a not-for-profit, nonpartisan organization that does in-depth research on institutions, justice, and equality, it's not just the current Attorney General Eric Schmidt who's been opposing relief for the wrongfully convicted. The Missouri AG's office has been opposing nearly every wrongful conviction case since the year 2000. A perfect example of this is Sean O'Brien's Joe Amrine case, which we talked about in a previous episode. When the assistant attorney general was asked by one of the justices, quote, are you suggesting, even if we find that Mr. Amrine is actually innocent, he should be executed? He answered, that is correct, Your Honor. Absolutely unbelievable, right? I mean, stomach-turning. Although Joe Amrine was not executed and was eventually released from prison, that assistant AG's sentiment, for me, kind of sums up one of the biggest problems with the post-conviction justice system in Missouri. While it's completely legal for the AG to oppose relief, why would they do it based on their duty to do so instead of basing it on a person's guilt or innocence? And it is in fact happening all over Missouri, like in Jackson County. 
Kevin Strickland is another man most believe is innocent. He's been serving time for a triple homicide that happened back in 1979. Similar to the Lamar Johnson case, Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker has been stripped of any power to release Kevin Strickland. Here she is in a May 2021 press conference. I'm here advocating for Mr. Strickland's freedom and that his conviction um, should be vacated. Most importantly, though, I'm advocating that this man must be freed immediately. My job is to protect the innocent. It is important to recognize when the system has made wrongs. And what we did in this case was wrong. So to Mr. Strickland, I am profoundly sorry. I am profoundly sorry for the harm um, that has come to you. And to that end, um, I want to tell this community that I represent um, that I find this mistake in this system to be profound, to be one um, that I should take every ounce of energy I have to correct. I am sorry for this mistake made by this system. An uphill battle for Gene Peters Baker, Kim Gardner, and many of the other prosecutors in Missouri. But they may have just gotten a break. On July 14th, 2021, Missouri Governor Mike Parson signs Senate Bill 53 into law, which, among other things, creates, quote, a judicial procedure that provides a pathway for a prosecuting attorney to correct a miscarriage of justice resulting from a wrongful conviction. And there's some more good news. I'm beyond ecstatic to report that on November 23rd, 2021, with the help of Trisha and the Midwest Innocence Project, a judge set aside the conviction of the now 62-year-old wheelchair-dependent Kevin Strickland. After serving 43 years in prison, he's finally free. Two victories for sure, but the fight is far from over. I mean, forgive me for like being so pedestrian about it, but if Eric Schmidt's family member had been wrongfully convicted, they're sitting in prison and it's just bureaucracy and it being politicized and that's the stuff that's keeping their innocent loved one in prison, would they be reacting the same way? Well, I think that's a very good question to ask because in the end of the day, it's about justice. In the end of the day, it should not be about a political pissing contest against the elected circuit attorney because you don't like her stance on reforming a system that we all know is beyond broken. Yeah, if I can get the attorney general to call me back, I'll, I'll let you know what he says. <laughs> Do you think that it's ego? Do you think they're afraid of payouts? And obviously you can't speak for them, but what is it? I mean, why do they fight it's so false, hard? I think it's the false premise of this law and order rhetoric that some people run on a platform that, that law and order tough on crime. And we know that that was been a lie. The war on drugs was a lie. We need to talk about the war on um, poor people, people of color. We need to you know, actually show and look at the data that have we made our city safe with the law and order rhetoric, and we have not. 
again, and like I told Kim, I've reached out to Attorney General Eric Schmidt multiple times for comment, but have not heard back. He, like the ex-governor Eric Greitens, is also running for the U.S. Senate. When we talk about Lamar Johnson, Rodney Lincoln, and many others, everyone should be doing their best under the rule of law to find a way, and even the courts. The courts have discretion to actually make a way when there's no way, and I think that that's where we have to, to really look at what is at stake. Mr. Lincoln served 36 years of his life. I mean, 36 years, and he's now 70 plus. You know, when you have lived most of your life confined for a crime you did not commit, just the mental anguish, the mental torment, the toll it takes on a person's family. Rodney Lincoln's family and friends have served those 30 plus years with him. And at the end of the day, we have to do better if we truly want people to believe in the criminal justice system. And I think that that's what's at stake is we have to make the system fair for everybody. It's about fairness and justice. And I believe that, you know, either you're going to get on board or you need to get out the way. Well, it seems this is where our journey comes to an end. But the most important question still remains. Who killed Joanne Tate and savagely attacked Melissa and Renee? Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner says the case is still open. Melissa, Uncle Nat, and Aunt Lori have since reached out to her office requesting whatever viable evidence there is be entered into the national databases. Maybe the DNA is too degraded, I don't know. But in my conversations with people close to the case, it seems there may be some fingerprints that even if they aren't good enough to be a match to someone, maybe they're good enough at least to exclude some people. Melissa and her family deserve the chance to possibly, finally, get the answers which have eluded them since April 27th, 1982. Also, a quick follow-up on the Steve Yancey episode. I wanted to try to verify his story that police considered him enough of a suspect that they had him take a polygraph and then cleared him after he passed it. But I haven't been able to find anything in any of the police reports to back that up. If I talk to Steve Yancey again and have new information that's worth sharing, I will. I want to thank everyone who participated in the making of this podcast. Your time and insight have been invaluable. I could not have done it without you all. I especially want to thank Melissa, who just finished writing her memoir entitled Not Quite Right. It's a love letter to society's outsiders, which she hopes will help and inspire survivors of all kinds. And Rodney, who is skydiving, fishing, and making up for lost time with his family. He is patiently waiting to learn if he'll receive a full pardon from the governor of Missouri. Melissa and Rodney's honesty, openness, and bravery are why this podcast was possible. They are the epitome of strength, forgiveness, and love. If anyone has any information about this case, please go to www.circuitattorney.org. The Real Killer is a production of AYR Media and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Leah Rothman. 
Executive Producers Leah Rothman and Aliza Rosen for AYR Media. Written by me, Leah Rothman. Senior Associate Producer Eric Newman. Editing and Sound Design by Cameron Taggy. Mixed and Mastered by Cameron Taggy. Audio Engineering by Jesus C. Murillo. Studio Engineering by Tom Weir and Kelly McGrew. Legal Counsel for AYR Media, Gianni Douglas. Executive Producer for iHeartRadio, Chandler Mays. If you're enjoying The Real Killer, tell your friends about it and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.